Ladies and gents, so I've got another great guest on the line today for another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast and Christine over in America in Dallas, Texas, who's a dietitian and a specialist with functional medicine and quite a few other things. Um, how's everything going with you, Christine? It's going fabulous. Great end to the day here in the US. It's a little bit later in the evening, so just kind of wrapping things up, but everything's been going great so far. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind, we always like to start these uh, episodes with a bit more of a background on my guest. So if you wouldn't mind just telling us, you know, who you are and basically what you do and what, what kind of got you into, uh, you know, the industry you're in now and obviously, which, you know, you're impacting lots of people and changing loads of lives, right? Which is great. So yeah, anyway, that was a broad question. Let me just uh, narrow that down a bit more. Tell us who you are and basically how you got into the area of work that you're in now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I am Christine. I'm a registered dietitian and functional medicine nutritionist with Rachel Shear Nutrition. So I'm actually the head coach at Rachel Shear Nutrition. So, you know, I've been handpicked by my boss, Rachel, for the past two years to kind of spearhead the team and lead our team of dietitians. And, you know, I've been able to work with over a hundred clients to really help them address their health and heal their bodies from the inside out. And, you know, really the reason why I got into this field, you know, really kind of like my dream job coming from, you know, dietetics and nutrition and things like that is because of my own story. So kind of what got me into functional medicine is my own story with hormonal imbalances. So if you've ever heard of the hormonal imbalance PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, it's pretty common, or at least, you know, kind of it's becoming more commonly known about, you know, within the sphere of health. Um, and so from a young age, you know, I was kind of struggling with different things from chronic acne, um, bloating, irregular menstrual cycles, mood swings, you know, kind of all of those different things. And, you know, with the realm that I was in, which was very much, you know, in America, we have this Western medicine kind of dominated field, um, is I just kind of kept getting prescribed medications for my issues. And I just knew I was like, okay, no, 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 this is not how my body works. <laughs> I'm not deficient in some medication. You know, my body didn't just decide to stop working one day. So I really want to address why these things are happening and the root cause kind of what you said. So that's really kind of what got me started into this whole field. Um, and I've really been able to see such a transformation, not only in the lives of my clients, but also in myself as well, and just the work that I'm able to do. That's awesome. So with uh, functional medicine, right, if you wouldn't mind just explaining to the audience how you would kind of distinguish functional medicine from Western medicine and a bit more of a background. Obviously we were talking off air in terms of your, you know, family, you know, being obviously practitioners, doctors and stuff. So if you wouldn't mind, give us a bit more context there and how you approach, you know, you, you obviously with fun functional medicine, uh, nutrition and stuff like that, you know, how that differs from Western medicine and how, you know, that really works. Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to Western medicine versus Eastern medicine, functional medicine, holistic medicine, you know, kind of what have you kind of a little bit more on that side is the approach that you have. So Western medicine is very much a symptoms based approach. So they say, what symptoms do you have and what medication can we give you to suppress those symptoms, right? So, you know, I really do believe that Western medicine has such great value. I'm never here to, you know, kind of dog on Western medicine. You know, I think that they do so much amazing work at truly saving lives. 
when it comes to acute things that happen, right? So kind of those short-term things, like if you break your arm, please don't come to me. I can't help you. <laughs> um, you know, so for kind of some of those more short-term things, infections, you know, kind of what have you, you have this symptom and you get a medication to either suppress that symptom, or maybe you get a procedure to kind of help with what's going on versus on more of kind of the Eastern holistic medicine side of things, we do say, okay, what are your symptoms? But instead of just kind of giving you this thing that's going to suppress those symptoms, we really view those symptoms as a communication mechanism from the body. And so whenever you're having those symptoms, it's your body kind of screaming at you, being like, hey, hello, something is wrong. And so whenever we have those symptoms, we don't want to just say, okay, well, you know, I guess I'm just going to have acne for the rest of my life. We want to ask, okay, so you're having this acne, but why? Why is that happening? And so that's really the biggest distinction that I see is Western medicine is kind of the medicine of what, so what is going on versus Eastern medicine, functional medicine is more of the approach of why that's going on. So just to kind of give you a little bit of background there to kind of help differentiate between those two. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but even with kind of my own story, you know, a little bit of what I was telling you earlier is I grew up very much on that Western medicine side of things. So my father was a physician, my mom is a nurse, and my sister is also a physician. So, you know, very much grew up in that sphere, in that world. And so, you know, I grew up seeing my dad help so many different people. You know, he was a surgeon. I saw my mom kind of doing the same thing. But as I continued to grow up, you know, especially where I'm from, I saw a lot of disparity in our health. You know, there were a lot of people who were obese, who had diabetes, who had heart disease, you know, kind of all these different things. And so it was kind of like this internal mental struggle where I was like, okay, you know, I know that my family is so involved in quote unquote health, but then I look around and see all these people who are very much not healthy. Right. And so it was kind of like, what, what's going on here? Like, what is this? But, you know, I was also young, so it was kind of that thought. And then I'd be like, all right, let me go play soccer. (laughs) Um, So, you know, really wasn't on the forefront of my mind yet. However, when I, you know, kind of continued to grow up and started to have my own issues in kind of the sphere of those hormonal imbalances, kind of something that I was telling you earlier is I actually didn't have a menstrual cycle until I was in college, which is very, very late. You know, most girls, you know, either get that very, very late in elementary school or even in middle school. So I was several years, you know, even a decade after what should have been in my progression in that way. And so, you know, kind of facing that kind of facing this like late onset puberty, kind of all these different things. I was just so frustrated with my body. And so obviously from my background of my family being involved in Western medicine, that was the route that we took, but every doctor, every clinic, and even every specialist that I went to either a, I got a different answer everywhere I went, which obviously is very frustrating or B, you know, they gave me another medication to kind of pile on. And so something that I knew, even being in high school, being in college, is I was like, my body isn't just deficient in a medication, right? Like my body doesn't just decide to kind of stop working one day. There has to be a reason why. 
And so that's really kind of where I started to do my own research and really kind of started diving into a little bit more of that holistic sphere. You know, how can I use food as medicine? Um, and so really kind of looking at the things that I was eating and, you know, different supplements that I was taking and everything that I could do to try and heal my body from the inside out. And, you know, it definitely took me years to kind of get there, but I started to see progress for the first time that wasn't just tied to a medication. Um, so that's kind of long, long-term. No, no, no. You, you cut a very long story short there. I'm really impressed actually, because there's a yeah. lot that's gone on there, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think the main factors that are coming into play in terms of where we're at now, this day and age, you know, infertility is a massive problem, right? you know, chronic illness, most people are overweight, you know, obviously, we got the mental health as well, which is another conversation. But I'm just curious to know what you think, are like the main issues, which are causing people to, to really kind of struggle with these things, and, you know, stay in control of their health, based on your experience, you know, with clients, and obviously being an expert in your field. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like that answer probably has a couple of different routes that I could take, but, you know, mm -hmm. I would say the first thing that kind of comes to mind is education. So, you know, especially here in America and, you know, maybe it's a little bit different there in Australia, but uh, America say, is, is yeah. America is another ball game. Yeah. Know exactly where you're <laughs> going with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. So I would say kind of growing up here in America, we just don't know that there is another way. And so, you know, whenever somebody has an issue, they're like, oh, I need to go to the doctor. I'm sick. I need to go to the doctor. I have this ache and pain. I need to go to the doctor. And since we have been so conditioned to having an issue and getting a quick fix, we just don't know that there's anything else to do, right? So it's like, if you have a stomach ache, if you have bloating, if you have acne, you go to the doctor, they put you on a medication and it goes away, right? Or so we think. So, you know, it kind of looks on the surface as it's going away, but nothing really goes away unless you address that root cause, kind of what we were talking about. So I would say, you know, one of the biggest disparities that I see there is just education, but even kind of going with that, kind of going off of that quick fix is time as well. You know, taking the functional medicine, a little bit more of that holistic approach, it's not easy and it's not quick. But, you know, focusing on your health for four months, eight months, a year in the span of your entire lifetime, that to me is, is pretty fast, right? Like what is one year out of 80, 90, hundred? I hope I live to be hundred. That's my goal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, awesome. year of your life, focusing on your health, really addressing those problems in the long term versus, you know, kind of suppressing some of those symptoms right now, but then five, 10, 20 years down the road, you have all of these symptoms that continue to kind of pop up and more. Mm. So, you know, I would really say education and then also just timing is probably the two biggest things that I see, you know, with the clients that I work with and even just people that I talk to when mm. it comes to health in general. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's obviously very complex and everyone's so individual as well. There's so many individual variances from person to person, but for example, with your screening, right. For example, when you kind of take a client on, um, you know, you do the whole kind of stool testing, blood testing, urine testing, right. Which is obviously stuff, which isn't going to be looked deep into generally. And again, taking nothing away from doctors and stuff, because when it comes to acute problems, you know, like you say, you break your arm and great. And they're amazing. We need them. They save lives. But when it yeah. comes to chronic illness, obviously there's, there's a piece missing, a piece or two missing, right? So with the testing that you do, obviously to get to the root cause, 
I, I saw on one of your posts, like urine, blood testing, and then stool. Um, yeah. So you think looking at those things is obviously fundamental for you to actually get any indication of where the person's at and how to get to the root cause of whatever the problem is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, with the different testing that we do, and even with the different clients that I see, one thing that I hear from probably nine out of 10 people that I work with is, you know, Christine, I know something is wrong, but I go to the doctor and they tell me that I'm fine. Mm. And so the reason why we do the testing that we do is because we want to find that thing that is off for our clients. Mm. You know, so an example that I always give is the thyroid. So we do a full thyroid panel in our blood testing. And so, you know, you'll probably have listeners that say, oh, you know, I've got my thyroid checked. Everything looks fine. You probably go to the doctor and they're going to run your TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone, which is great. You know, we need to know what this level is to make sure that thyroid is functioning but there's actually six different thyroid hormones that are involved in the entire process that you also want to look at to make sure that there are other imbalances that are going on. And so that's, you know, kind of another difference that I would say in what we do. And the reason why we do the stool testing, the blood testing and the urine testing is because we don't want to leave any stone unturned. Like I don't want a client coming to me and saying, I just feel so exhausted and tired and moody all day long, but my doctor says that I look perfectly healthy. I want to say, okay, I hear you. And I want to find what that imbalance is. So let's do this testing. Let's get more comprehensive and let's actually find that missing puzzle piece to what's happening in your body. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And speaking of thyroid and metabolism, right, Christine, obviously, I always say this, but metabolism is like very, very complex, right? It's a complex, <laughs> you know, system to say the least, right? So, yeah. and you know, we've mentioned a few things, obviously, polycystic ovary syndrome, you know, PCOS is something that you dealt with and was a big problem for you and your teenagers. Um, but we said off air, right? That's very, very common. And I coach, you know, probably 75% females and it's very, very common that people struggle with that, females, of course, uh, not to mention thyroid um, dysfunction, right? So whether it's hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's. Yeah. So what are the most common symptoms, uh, sorry, the most common kind of uh, problems that, what's, what's the word, um, or dysfunctions, whether that be PCOS or, you know, thyroid issues, what are the most common ones that you see? And also, I'm just curious to know, like, what are the most common symptoms that you get from people or are they so varied that that's kind of like a tough one to answer? Yeah, I would say that, you know, we kind of get the whole lot of different yeah. symptoms. The, different the ripple effect. Yeah. 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 But I will say probably our top three kind of main concerns, and I'll say main concerns because everybody usually has kind of multiple different things that they're coming for. But I would say number one is going to be gut health. So chronic bloating, indigestion, constipation, diarrhea, IBS. You know, IBS is something that I like to call a trash can diagnosis because I'm like, what does it tell you? You have an irritable bowel. That's why you went to the doctor, right? Like, what did they tell you besides what you already know? Mm. So, you know, kind of gut issues is probably- now, That's an interesting one. one. Sorry to interrupt, but IBS is a very yeah. interesting one. And it? it's almost like, I feel like they say, I, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from doctors, but when it comes to IBS, I feel like that's their way of saying, we have no idea what the issue is, right? So, <laughs> or we haven't got, like, we, we're kind of like in the gray area here. So it's IBS yeah. kind of thing. You know what I mean? Is yeah. that is that kind of right? Do you see that a lot? 
100%, you know, and yeah. honestly, it's the same thing I, I believe with polycystic ovarian syndrome, because kind of what I was telling you, you know, women who are diagnosed with PCOS, people who are diagnosed with IBS, they could have so many different symptoms, but they're all lumped into this category of, oh, you have this syndrome, right? Mm, right. Syndrome is a collection of symptoms. It's not like a definitive diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whenever people come to us with IBS, you know, whenever you go to a doctor for IBS, they're like, okay, well you're constipated. So maybe you just need more fiber. Like, you know, doctors just aren't educated the way that I am in nutrition mm. and the way that I have been in the body, you know, they're kind of trained to look at something else. And mm. so, you know, kind of taking a little bit more of that deep dive, especially with the stool testing that we do. Um, and, you know, to take it from Hippocrates, you know, he said all disease begins in the gut, which we really believe is true. You know, mm. so many different imbalances, even if it's not just gut issues, like a lot of my skin issues stemmed from me having leaky gut. A lot mm. of people who have, you know, kind of neurochemical imbalances, mood issues, it stems from their gut, mm. energy issues, metabolism, kind of what you were saying, it all begins in the gut. So I would say gut issues are going to be number one. Number two is probably autoimmune. Um, so whether that be Hashimoto's, whether that be rheumatoid arthritis, ulcerative colitis, you know, a plethora of those different autoimmune conditions. We get a lot of people coming to us for that because again, Western medicine just doesn't have an answer. You know, they mm. say maybe these immunosuppressants to kind of help mitigate those symptoms, but we don't know why mm. you're having this issue. And that's what I do is I help to figure out why. Mm. It's so, an epidemic now, right? Isn't it? Obviously autoimmunologists oh and unfortunately my mum, uh, not to go too off top, my mum has lived with a really bad autoimmune illness called systemic sclerosis, uh, you know, since I was about seven years old. So like 28 years now she lived with that. And it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, it's an interesting one. And it's, literally is just blowing up now, right? All kinds of autoimmune illnesses. And some of them are just like, you've never even heard of them. Like there's so many new ones yeah. coming out and you know, yeah. interesting. But anyway, yeah. So you said gut health, you said autoimmune uh, issues. Yeah. And then weight loss resistance. So okay. you know, people have been like, I've tried this diet. I've tried this diet. I've tried this diet. I've tried not eating all week and I still can't lose weight. Mm. And so, you know, I would say kind of those three concerns are probably a majority of what we see. Uh, but, you know, we always kind of have the, the different things that are in the middle and a lot mm. of people that might have gut issues, maybe also have an autoimmune condition and weight loss resistance, but it may not be on the forefront of what they're wanting to address. Mm. Um, but you know, if I could kind of take inventory of all yeah, the different yeah. types of clients that we see, I would probably say those three categories are mm. going to be the main ones. And again, what you do is very complex because you go so deep into the root causes and there's so many different like answers you could give me, but I appreciate you just sharing like the big rocks there, but gut health, for example, right? This is an interesting one because how many times you get people, well, people laugh at me, right? Because I occasionally, I would get like psoriasis. I actually had a, a little flare up when I was away recently. I had some issues with my gut when I was away because I wasn't cooking my own meals and everything else and controlling things. And I really struggled before with uh, gut health and uh, part, part of that was because I've said before, but I used to struggle with binge eating because I used to compete and stuff as a bodybuilder, overcame that. But obviously I did some damage to my gut in the process, I think. Um, but yeah, well, it's funny how people just, when I say to people, you know, I've got this skin issue and uh, it's because my gut's off. They, they, they look, they're like, what are you talking about? There's nothing, 
gut. What are you on about? That's from the sun. It's like you're crazy, right? But it is something like 80% of the immune system is located in the gut. You mentioned about neurochemicals in the brain. Like, you know, most of the serotonin is producing the gut. I think over 20 yeah. different hormones are producing the gut. But so people just, as you say, education, right? People, and it's a very complex uh, conversation with the gut health, right? So do you find that people are kind of shocked sometimes when you find out when they find out, oh, actually, all of these issues I'm getting, this skin condition, this mental health or whatever, it's, a lot of it's linked to my gut. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't tell you the amount of clients that I've had that come in for kind of one issue, and especially women. We think that it's our hormones, right? Which mm. a lot of times, you know, we can have hormonal imbalances, but why again? So it's kind of looking for that. Why? So we'll have women come in and say, you know, I have these hormonal imbalances, you know, I'm going through menopause. I'm getting these hot flashes. I have acne. I'm losing my hair, you know, kind of a whole host of different things. And we do the testing and like, yeah, there are a couple of imbalances that we're seeing in their hormones. We look at their gut test and it's like, oh, you have a parasite or, oh, you have candida or, oh, you have leaky gut. Like, of course you're having these issues, you know? Mm. And so it's really interesting because I think whenever people hear about gut health, they automatically associate that with either having bloating, constipation, or diarrhea. Good point. And so whenever someone doesn't have that, they're like, oh, well, I don't have gut issues. Like mm. I'm fine. You know, it's my hormones that are off. And so it's, again, it's just kind of that education piece because also too, our body is a system, right? So your gut is not going to work independently of your brain, which is not going to work independently of your lungs. You need all of it together for the mm -hmm. body to work. And so if there are imbalances in one area, it's going to start to trickle over into other areas of the body as well. And that's why we don't ever just do the blood test or just do the gut test. We do all of it because our body is a system, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. And yeah, if one thing's off, you know, if it's untreated, then that's when you can really get into trouble. And then it's a knock on effect in the other areas, you know what I mean? And it's uh, yeah. one of those things, it's just really troubling to think about how many people just live with these things, right? Um, majority of people, they just go, oh, okay, IBS, live with it. It's just a condition I've got, as you say, a syndrome. And then obviously, over time, it get, generally gets worse. And then there's a knock on effect. And you talked about weight loss resistance, I'd like to delve a bit deeper into that. Um, obviously, as you know, we are facing an obesity epidemic, right? And you know, um, it's it's a challenge. And I always say to people, it's like, we've got all these uh, factors working against us nowadays, right? Because you know, you got more food available to us than any other time in human history. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, technology, which is amazing. We're having this conversation now, but we're sat down more than ever. You know what I mean? And it's ultra post and then we've got social media. So it's all these different moving parts. Um, but what would you say, I just, if you could just delve a bit deeper into weight loss resistance and, you know, your kind of experience with that and clients and, you know, um, I don't know, some of the conversations you, you tend to have with people. Yeah. So for weight loss resistance, it's, gosh, I feel like my typical answer, probably yours too, is it depends. Yeah, um, yeah you know, of I, course, I, of course. Yeah, I'm asking, I know I always answer it depends. So I'm asking broad questions here, but uh, yeah. yeah, just any kind of insights you've got would be very helpful. Yeah, for sure. So for weight loss resistance, you know, again, because everybody can be coming in with these different imbalances, everyone can experience different symptoms. The root cause of that weight loss resistance is kind of difficult for me to put into like a category. However, what I will say is the one thing that I've seen across the board, regardless of whether you're male, female, young, old, you know, doesn't matter focusing on balancing your blood sugars 
through the food that you're consuming, I have found to be the number one thing to help, I would say 95% of my clients when it comes to weight loss resistance, when it comes to gut health and not saying that that is going to be the one thing that's going to like mitigate your symptoms, but it is the one thing that helps I would say pretty much everybody. And the reason for this is, is because, you know, the food that we consume, you know, that is fuel to our body and the different macronutrients, whether it be protein, fat, carbohydrates, or alcohol, those are going to impact your body in different ways. And so, you know, I would say a lot of times we hear this kind of mentality that calories are all that you need to focus on. Calories are king. Just so long as you're in a calorie deficit, that's the only thing that you need to do to lose weight. And I will say yes, but I'll also say no, because if you're having, you know, that same amount of calories, but you're not eating that in a way that's going to be balancing to your body, it's going to be supporting muscle mass. That's going to keep you full and keep your hormones happy it's not going to work in the way that you want it to. And so I would say really focusing on blood sugar balance, the composition of your meals. That's the one thing that I have found with all of my horror or all of my clients across the board, you know, especially if they're having weight loss resistance, but even if they're having gut health issues, if they're having skin conditions, hormonal imbalances, focusing on blood sugar balance helps pretty much everybody. Mm. So maybe that isn't the direction that you were kind of looking no for, that's great that's, no that's that's, that's really important. that's a really interesting answer and i love that because uh, so like a blood glucose monitor or whatever they're called so you'll track that obviously you'll get your clients to track that for x amount of time generally and then you'll start figuring out because everyone's different as well right again you know some people can have a massive spike in blood sugar from having an avocado right <laughs> which is mainly yeah. fats right whereas other people it's like it's just different for everyone um, but I was just going to ask you then, so in terms of the the whole foods, right? Because what you were talking about then is like not all calories are treated equally, right? I think that's a very important thing to talk about um, because ultimately we are told, you know, it's just calories in versus calories out. Um, and, you know, you just got to stick to your macros, right? And you're going to get in shape. That's the message we get, right? You know, calorie deficit. But like, why is it, you know, if that was the case, everyone would be kind of, you know, walking around with, you know, six pack abs or whatever, right? And, and we know that's, that's not the case. Not that that's that important, but you know what I mean, right? So you feel like the the quality of food. So I guess that kind of shines a light on things then as well, right, Christine, when you get them to monitor their blood glucose response to certain foods. Um, and then you kind of can focus on food quality a bit more, right? So is there, um, so it's mainly whole foods, right? So when people come to you, do you normally find that, um, I don't know, people are kind of consuming a lot of uh, processed foods and you, you, you have a look at food quality and try, try and get them to improve that and the types of macros they're getting and stuff as well, which obviously are going to play a big part in, in the, the blood glucose thing as well, right? Yeah. So I would say, you know, food quality is definitely one of the first things that we look at, you know, trying Mm. to focus just on those whole foods and something that I get so often is like, well, what's a whole food? And to me, it's a single ingredient. So a zucchini, a steak, an apple, Mm -hmm. blueberries, you know, like those single ingredient foods that come from the earth or come from an animal, you know, that's what we want to focus on. But honestly, even more than that, because, you know, I do see a lot of people that are eating whole foods, but maybe they're eating like seven or eight or nine times throughout the day. You know, they're just kind of grazing on food. So they're never having solid meals. You know, people will like grab an apple or a banana in the middle of the day because they think that they're trying to be healthy and avoid the Snickers bar, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. going to grab a banana. It's going to be so good. But then what happens, they probably crash a couple of hours later. So, you know, on top of the quality of food, that people are consuming, 
we also really want to focus on the composition of those Mm. meals and, you know, having protein, fat and fiber PFF, that's kind of something that I tell all of my clients is having those three macronutrients in conjunction. So all together really helps to create this well-balanced meal. It's going to give you, you know, all the protein that you need to support muscle mass. Fat is very essential, especially when it comes to hormones, you know, probably like 20, 25 years ago, we eliminated fat from the diet. And then what happened? Everyone Mm -hmm. got fat. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we need that fat, but also we need the fiber coming from non-starchy vegetables, coming from fruits and kind of all these different things. But we need to have those together to really balance out the way that those macronutrients are responding in the body. Mm. Because to your point, you know, some of those different foods can react so differently with different people. So, you know, a little bit of it is trial and error, but that's okay. You know, we don't have to get it right the first time, mm-hmm. just so long as we sit, as we learn again from that situation and say, okay, that meal really didn't work for me. What can I do differently moving forward that might help me in the mm-hmm. long run? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on something then about like meal frequency as well, right? And just how often, because some people are just constantly, even if it's mindless, because I find this like with a lot of clients, I'll get them just initially to kind of track their food, right? So we can shine a light on what's going on. And like, they're surprised at how mindless some of the things they are, they're eating in between meals are just snacking, but they're not really that aware of it. It's just like a habit that they're doing. And obviously spiking the blood sugar more often and stuff like that. So for example, you get a client and you find out that, you know, there's the, the blood glucose is being spiked too often or whatever, or it's kind of out of whack. Um, what would you, and again, I know it depends, but generally what, how would you explain to the average person, like the blood glucose thing we just talked about, how would you explain that to people? Cause uh, I'm probably going to butcher it if I try explaining it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, you know, especially when it comes to like all the snacking that we do or the grazing mm. day, I would say that a lot of people just think that that's normal and they think that that's good. Either they've heard like, oh, if I eat, you know, every hour, every two hours, it's going to stoke my metabolism, you mm. know, whatever okay. you've heard on that. <laughs> or kind of on the other side of things, you know, I've had people tell me, they're like, well, Christine, I can't cut up my afternoon snack. Like I need that. Mm. I'm like, but do you like let's look at your meals. Are you actually eating a meal that is sustaining, that is balanced, that is maybe a little bit larger? And they're like, well, I can't eat all that food because then I'm going to gain weight. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's kind of like rewind. Let's unlearn some of the different things that you've learned in the past. Yeah. And you know, with kind of that constant snacking, then, and I'm not here to say everybody needs to eat three solid meals. Like that's definitely not what I'm saying. You know, it is very nuanced person to person, but focusing on meals rather than those snacks, because you're able to get in, you know, those components of the meal, your protein, your fat, your fiber is going to be a lot more balancing. And even kind of to your point of just being mindless, like this happens to, I would say probably pretty much everybody. You sit down on the couch at night after dinner, what happens? You're like, oh, you know, some ice cream sounds really good. Or, you know, I'm kind of a little bit munchy. I'm a little bit bored. Like, let me just go pop some popcorn. And so it's, it's very habitual, but it's also very environmental. And so I would say a lot of times, you know, the reason why we fall into this snacking and, you know, kind of these like ups and downs is because we're just used to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we just be like, oh, you know, it's been a couple hours since I ate, I should probably eat again. Cause I don't want to have that energy crash that I know that is coming. 
And so whenever someone comes to me and they're having kind of some of those ups and downs, really the metaphor or kind of the analogy that I give is I'm like, right now you are on a roller coaster, right? So you're going like these high highs and these low lows. We almost want to be on a rolling hill. So it's okay for your blood sugar to increase. It's okay for it to drop, but we don't want it to be so drastic that you're having these mood shifts and you're feeling like you have to take a nap in the middle of the day because you're just so exhausted. Like we don't want to have those massive extremes. We want to just kind of be like riding the middle, right? So we kind of be like right here on that rolling hill versus that roller coaster. So that's kind of a little bit of the analogy that I give Mm. when it comes to the reason as to why we want to eliminate some of that snacking. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's a really good point. And I was talking to clients about this yesterday because sometimes people ask me for like snack ideas and stuff. So I was giving them some ideas, but then I always go to that point where it's like, you know, there's complete food and there's incomplete food basically. Right. So if like you say, you're having your protein, your fats and your fibers, you're having a hearty meal, which is whole foods, then generally you're going to be more satiated. You know, you drink an adequate water as well. You're not going to, and, and you know, 90% of the time, let's be honest, when it's snacks, it's, it's based on emotions, like you said, right? So it's, you know, bored, tired, lonely. We can go down the list or just habitual, right? In front of the TV. And obviously, you know, like research shows as well, when we eat in front of the TV, we, we tend to eat more, right? Because it's, uh, it's a form of kind of like mindless eating. But again, no one's going to be perfect. But I think the first thing is just kind of being aware of these things, right? Um, so for example, with you, right, when you eat your meals, um, well, I, I sit down and listen to a podcast, but I don't go on my phone. I don't watch TV anymore. I used to be world's worst at this, by the way, Christine, right? When I, like I said, I used to struggle with the binge eating, funny enough, when I was, uh, I used to sit in front of the TV and I would just eat and it would just be like no off button. It was just like yeah. mindless, you know, and it takes a while as well. If you actually realize you're full, you know, you're looking at 15, 20 minutes to get that signal to actually tell you you're full. Right. So just curious yeah. to know when you eat your meals and stuff and your relationship with food, Um, is there any methods that you use or any habits that you've implemented, which help you kind of stay healthy and keep a good relationship with food and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting that you bring up the podcast. I feel like I'm the same, you know, I like to learn, um, as much as I can, you know, while I'm just sitting, I'm like, okay, what can I listen to? What can I learn while I'm doing nothing? Um, and so, you know, especially, you know, I don't want to just sit in silence eating because that's no fun either. So definitely I would say a podcast is probably the number one thing that I'll do. But this may sound a little bit funny, but just kind of go with me here. So I, whenever I'm eating my meals, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, I always sit in the same place. And again, because of that environmental factor, because of that habitual factor, whenever I'm home and I'm sitting in that specific place, I know that that's where I'm sitting when I'm eating a meal. And so it's almost like I get into this headspace of being like, okay, I'm very relaxed when I'm sitting here. You know, I know that I have like my hour lunch break or kind of like my 30 minutes to eat breakfast, what have you. And so I know whenever I'm sitting there that this is kind of like the headspace and the environment that I'm in versus, you know, kind of to your point of like sitting on the couch, I notice that if I eat dinner on the couch, what do I want immediately after dinner? I'm like, okay, well, I want something sweet. I want this. I want that. Versus if I sat down, turned the TV off, eliminated that distraction and actually focused on the food that I was eating, it makes such a difference. So I'm, I'm very habitual in that regard of like sitting in a specific spot even. So getting kind of particular in that, but I would say that I do my best to eliminate some of those outside distractions. You know, if I can, not right now, because it's, 
hotter than Hades in Texas, but you know, kind of in the fall and in the spring, I'll actually take my lunch outside. And so, you know, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast. Sometimes I won't, but I make sure to sit outside to get in that fresh air, to get a little bit of the sun on my skin and just kind of appreciate the food that I'm eating. Because whenever I'm actually appreciative of the fuel that's going into my body, maybe it's a little bit mental, but I feel like it feels better going down if that makes sense a hundred percent yeah and that's exactly what my habit is as well it's just like sitting down at the table like it's an allocated place for me to eat a meal right rather than in front of the tv you know what i mean and just making that a practice right it's pretty simple but it's very kind of intentional right so i just wanted to kind of uh i guess you know wrap this up because we've covered a lot of ground here and you know we've gone deep on you know quite a few things which i think are very helpful for the audience um but in terms of like things that people should look out for when it comes to the awareness of consuming certain things like chemicals and, you know, toxic metals, for example, uh, water quality, you know what I mean? Obviously, that's very important. Obviously, drinking tap water all the time is probably not going to be ideal. Is there anything, again, I know it depends, but is there anything generally that comes to mind where you would say to the audience just to kind of be aware of that is going into your body? Because another thing is things you put on your skin, which a lot of people are not aware of, basically, you know, I think I heard something, you shouldn't really put anything on your skin that you wouldn't be willing to eat. Uh, maybe that's a little bit extreme, but it's basically the biggest organ in the body. Is that right? The skin is the biggest organ in the body. Have I got that yeah, right? Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got that one right. Um, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> that would be a problem if it wasn't. So yeah, basically what comes to mind? So I would say, you know, with all of the information that we have available to us, you know, whether it be social media, the internet, you know, kind of all these different avenues, we can almost get this paralysis of analysis. Mm. And so I would say for just kind of the average listener, instead of trying to focus on your water and your food and your skincare and your home and kind of all these different things, pick one and dive into it. And then once you feel really comfortable and confident, take on the next one. So, you know, I would say the biggest thing for me, especially being a dietitian, is probably going to be looking at your food, transitioning to eating more whole foods. And instead of me telling you, like, you need to eliminate vegetable oils and you need to eliminate trans fats, I really like to say, okay, what can I add to Mm. my diet? Can I add more vegetables? Can I add more whole food protein sources, right? Like, can I add more color to my meals? Those are the things that I would say to focus on. And then once you feel really comfortable and confident with your nutrition, with all these different amazing things that you've added, then maybe kind of go into tackling probably your skincare and cleaning products. That's the one thing that I'm really focused a lot on right now. Um, And so instead of saying, okay, I'm going to go into my bathroom and I'm just going to wipe the slate clean. As soon as I run out of a product, I'm just going to find a new one. So it's kind of like taking slow, steady steps in the right direction instead of trying to take this massive leap, because what's going to happen if you try and jump too big, you're either going to get burnt out or you're going to be so overwhelmed that you're not even going to be able to stick to that change in the first place. So, you know, I would just say, keep it simple, like start with one thing and really commit to it. And then once you feel good in that area, say, okay, I got the nutrition down. What else can I look at? What else can I optimize within my life? Mm, love that. And I'm glad you said that because I, you actually got there before me because I pretty much say this at the end of each podcast. But if you can take one thing away from the podcast and implement it and commit to it, like you said, 
you know, it could be a game changer, right? And I think that's where most people go wrong, especially with, you know, health and fitness is changing too much at once, getting overwhelmed. As you say, there's so much information out there, right? And so much conflicting information as well. It's very easy to get confused and overwhelmed. Um, but what you said about Whole Foods then is exactly my method as well. You know, someone might come to me, for example, to lose weight. And then what I'm doing is instead of restricting and taking away all their favorite foods, which is not going to be sustainable, it's going to put them back in a worse position. I'm looking at, right, what are we missing out on? What kind of, you know, fats, protein, you know, as you mentioned, fiber, fruit, whatever that is, how can we add one thing in? Sometimes just something as simple as like, how can we add in like a cup of berries a day and be consistent <laughs> with that? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, you've done that for a good amount of time now. That's great. Okay. Now let's add in something. It can be as simple as that, depending on the person, you know? So that was a really, really good point. So yeah, I think we're going to wrap this up there anyway, Christy, you know, I really appreciate your time. And if there's anything you'd like to say to the audience, if there's like one piece of advice, okay, I got a better question uh if there's one piece of advice that you give to a younger christine okay to a 17 year old christine what would it be i know i'm putting you on the spot here but what would it be oh gosh what wouldn't i tell a younger christine <laughs> <laughs> i feel like so many things um i i don't know i feel like the the first thing that came into my mind was just patience you know, I think so often we just try and try and try to make things go faster and faster and faster. And I want the result now. And I want to feel better now. And I want all these things now, but just kind of enjoying the journey and just kind of grinning and bearing it through some of those lows, because as life happens, you know, we have the valleys, but what kind of comes after that? One of the peaks. So just being patient for that, you know, whether it be in my health journey, in relationships, in my career, you know, even where I'm at in life, just being patient. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I would yeah, say. Love that. love that. That's a great, great piece of advice. Awesome. Um, thanks for sharing. And where can the audience find you? I'll share this in the show notes, but where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on Instagram. That's kind of my main platform. I am christine.thedietitian. So pretty simple to find. Um, I would say that's kind of the best way to communicate with me um, is via Instagram. Um, I can also probably give you my email, put it down there in the show notes. Uh, yeah, but Instagram sure. will be so too. Awesome. Awesome. I'll uh, add those into the show notes. Thanks again, Christine. I appreciate your time. And there was loads of uh, great, valuable content in that podcast. So thank you very much. Of course. Have a good one.